And now, coming to you from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting throughout the multiverse, the Nine Realms, Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, Nidaveller, basically anywhere that has the internet, really, we proudly present Radio Free Asgard. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 250. Ta-da! Yeah, believe it or not, yeah, it just they just kind of whiz by, don't they? So anyway, yeah, so episode number 250, and uh, you know what I have prepared is nothing special, I'm afraid. <laughs> just another episode. But that has to do with the crazy schedule that I've been on, and it's just going to get crazier between now and the end of the year. So we are going to do a a rather abrupt change of direction this week. But uh, before we get started with our issue for this week, I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the Doctor Strange movie. No spoilers here, but actually Pete and I went to go see Doctor Strange last weekend. And I will say without any kind of reservation at all that it is one of the best Marvel movies yet. I think it was fantastic. Um, it was amazing visually. I thought that all of the acting was great. Uh, you know, Rommel, Rommelbard, Cummerbund was, was great as Doctor Strange. Um, I thought Tilda Swinton was really interesting as the Ancient One. Maybe not the, the casting direction that I would have gone, but it works. In, in its own way, it works. Most of my problems in the movie are very, very nitpicky, and so I'm not even going to go into them here. But maybe once after everyone has seen it, maybe we'll talk about it in a little bit of depth. But I can say that I left that movie theater saying, God, I hope Steve Ditko sees this movie. Because they used so much from Ditko in the movie. And I've always thought that it was a real shame that, that Jack Kirby didn't live to see these Marvel movies yeah, because I think that in a in a big way he would have gotten a, a real kick out of them, but I think that uh, you know the the Ditko tributes and and homages in the movie alone, I think would would have you know, make him really happy, you know, and and I th- I think that's a good thing, but uh, yeah, so really enjoyed the film and, uh, and almost everything about it. Like I said, the the things I didn't like about it were kind of nitpicky. Definitely, it is in my top five of Marvel films, which is where I thought and hoped that it would be. You know, I'm a big fan of Doctor Strange, as I'm sure uh, a lot of you are too. So it was great. So we do have an issue to cover, but uh, we're going to be veering away from Thor for a few weeks. And we are going to cover the second Hercules Prince of Power limited series. So let's just go ahead and move along to our review. Hercules, hero of song and story. Hercules, winner of ancient glory. Fighting for the right, fighting with his might. With the strength of ten ordinary men. Hercules, People are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him. Softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty Hercules. Indeed. It's been a while, hasn't it? You know, we, we covered the uh, the first of the Hercules miniseries back in March of 2015. So it's been well over a year since we covered the first four-issue series. So for the next four weeks, we are going to be covering the second Hercules mini. And, of course, starting with Hercules Prince of Power number one. The cover date of this issue is March of 1984. Cover price was 60 cents. Cover art is by Bob Layton. And it looks to be that there's no inker credit on here, so it looks like it might have been just uh, Leighton inking himself. Uh, it shows Hercules holding up the logo, uh, which it's, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's Hercules uh, holding up the logo. And in the background, we have a, a scene of Hercules fighting some uh, armored stormtrooper types. They, they, they look like they're trying not to be Star Wars stormtroopers, but they kind of look like 
stormtroopers. And in the background, there's a uh, a not Imperial Walker, uh, though it looks like uh, Imperial Walker. <laughs> uh, we have a ghostly image of the recorder. Uh, of course, our, our friend the recorder from last series. Uh, and a unidentified scrawl who we'll find out a lot more about in the issue. And also a young blonde woman with a green pantsuit who may or may not be Hillary Clinton. And uh, we open up to the splash page where we have Hercules and he's fighting a bunch of these white armored dudes who are not Star Wars stormtroopers. And there are walking uh, mechanical critter things you know, tank things, which are not Imperial walkers. The prologue is by Earth Chronology. It's the year 2385. Rebel military forces have seized control of the mining colony on the asteroid Leparak 27. The ruling government of the Omicron system, having failed repeatedly at negotiation, has sent a planetary peacekeeping force to squelch the uprising. In front of those heavily armed troops, one warrior clears the way by drawing out the ambushing rebels. Though alone and unarmed, his might rivals that of the entire Omicron army. His fellow soldiers have come to respect the immense power he wields. His enemies have come to fear him. And we all know him as Hercules, Prince of Power. The scene shifts to Fort Talanda, stronghold of the rebel forces, where we have a couple of these guys who are dressed in this uh, white armor who are not Imperial stormtroopers. And one of these guys is a yellow dude who has sort of disco hair, kind of uh, chachi hair from the 70s. And the other guy is a bald guy. He actually has the executioner's haircut. So anyway, so uh, the one I'm saying, report it, Lieutenant Abiri. How goes the battle? Apparently our ambush is not as successful as we had hoped, Commander. It seems they sent in an advanced scout to draw our troops' fire. Blast. So much for the element of surprise. How are our commandos faring against those government swine? Uh, well, er, sir, the majority of our troops are still engaged in battle with the lone scout. What? And we shift back to the scene, and of course we have the stormtrooper, sorry, they're not Imperial stormtroopers, who are fighting Hercules, and he is barreling them all over like, like bowling pins and says, have at the rebel bastards. This day victory belongs to the Lion of Olympus. And there's uh, reinforcements coming in and spaceships and that kind of thing. And we get a little bit of uh, exposition here. As the government troops advance towards the fortress, reconnaissance ships are sent to probe for weaknesses in the rebels' defense. So these are the, uh, the good guys, not the rebels. And we have a robotic voice statement. I believe they only have one pulsar turret, Captain. Not nearly enough to stop all of our units. And it is the recorder, and he's riding along in the uh, Imperial ship. And it's interesting, the, uh, you know, the, the rebels, the, the quote-unquote bad guys here, are dressed in white, and the uh, government forces are dressed in black. Hmm. I wonder if there's any significance to that. Excellent, recorder, says the pilot. Now all we have to do is draw fire long enough for our armored units to breach the fortress's walls. Statement, I do not think that will be necessary, Captain. It appears that Hercules has already reached the outer perimeter of the fort. So, one-armed man can't possibly overcome its defenses? Interrogative, you are new to this unit, are you not, Captain? And uh, the recorder looks uh, immensely pleased with himself. Look, I don't care how strong they say he is. We're talking about five feet of stroganium reinforced stone. It would take 20 minutes for one of our armored units to blast through. And we see Hercules, and he's just... In his street clothes, well, his superhero outfit, as it were. And uh, he's walking up to the wall, and he's going to hit it with both hands. How in the name of Blawak does he think he's going to get in there? And he hits the wall with a giant caroo, bashes the wall in, and the recorder says, Statement, I believe your question is answered, Captain no kidding. So I just wanted to describe that Hercules is actually wearing a different outfit than he normally wears. And I think this might be the only time in this miniseries when he actually wore it. But I actually like it. And what, one of the additional touches that I think is just really silly and cool is the homage to the mighty Hercules, uh, where they have his H emblem on Hercules's belt. So I, th I thought that that was actually amusing. 
and Hercules goes uh, powering his way through the wall. They see the, the not-imperial walkers chasing him. Onward, warriors, to glorious victories, says Hercules. And uh, we see Hercules going in, and he has, he has uh, government troops uh, entering in behind him, and we get a little exposition. With their defenses all destroyed, the rebels offer no resistance to the advancing government troops, with one exception. And we get it's the guy with the executioner's hair who's stopping, and he says, Halt, outworlder, I am Commander Stard, and these men are sworn by oath to defend me with their very lives if necessary. Indeed. Mayhaps they may discard their lives in such a wasteful effort. I would remind them that the Prince of Power hath already single-handedly defeated thy ground troops and raised the walls of thy fortress. But no matter, if they seek to fulfill their oaths, Hercules stands ready. And <laughs> the soldiers are looking around, and you know, the, the, the commander is standing in the middle, like, you know, he's all brave and, and shit. And uh, the soldiers are like, you know, I saw him smash the wall. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, well, I, uh, you know what I think? What oath? And they all put their hands on their heads and surrender. Except for the commander. And uh, we'll see in the next panel that he has been restrained by Hercules. Everyone else is sitting on the floor. And the government uh, officer is like, Whew, I never saw anything like him. What a soldier. Statement. Greetings, Lord Hercules. It seems that you have the situation well in hand. Aye, friend recorder, says Hercules. They have been most cooperative, except for this foul-tempered rascal, the instigator of this rebellion. We fought only to keep what is ours, says uh, Lord Stord, or whatever his name is. The government seizes our resources while not giving us our rightful share of the profits. Our only goal is a new just society for all the miners. Observation. The commander's body temperature is 104 degrees, pulse rate 6.05 times normal, abnormal energy flux readings. Fascinating. Recorder, are thy sensors malfunctioning? Statement. Oh, no, no, sir. I am in perfect working order. Interrogative. By the way, are you aware that Commander Stard is a scrawl? And the rebels are like, what? A scrawl? Shape changer? That's not possible. And uh, as they're talking, uh, the Stard is, uh, he's changed back into his scrawl form. And right in Hercules' hands. And Hercules is like, great Zeus. Quite passable, pigskin trash. You humans are no match for the machinations of the scrawl empire. Nothing impeded my rise to leadership among you blind, gutless fools. As is always the way of the scrolls, I worked from within to destroy you, like a spreading cancer. If civil war I started would have inevitably decimated your armies, leaving your worlds helpless before the scroll conquest. And the, the, the rebels are really mad about this. It's like, come on, men, we can make up for our mistake now by tearing that green-skinned vermin in bits. And Hercules is protecting him. He says, I say thee nay. Thou fought for what thou believed just. The scrawl led thee only to fulfill his own sinister purposes. He shall receive swift justice for his crime. So speaks Hercules. Thou hast seen the folly of taking the law into thine own hands. Tis a fool who learns not from his mistakes. And the uh, scrawl and the soldiers are herded away and leaving the uh, recorder and, and Hercules there. We have done well this day, Recorder. Statement. I am afraid I have some distressing news, sir. Clemline informs me that your friend, the Commander Malin, has been critically wounded. He is asking for you. What? Let us tarry no longer. And they go into the fortress, and we can see there's a crashed, not Imperial Walker here. And the uh, Commander's laying on the ground, and he's bleeding out of his, uh, his head and his mouth. Rest easy, a maid. I guess that's his first name. The Prince of Power is with thee. <coughs> so, magician, it appears the time has come for us to part company, eh? A maid, my friend, what can I tell thee? Thou hast been a true friend in our short time together. <coughs> you call forty-one years short? Do me a favor, magician. Grow some gray hair sometime, and he dies. And the soldiers are like, he's gone, sir. Aye, all too soon. Brilliant stars that burn too quickly, these mortals. Barely is their time to admire their light before they fade into darkness. 
And the recorder speaks up. Statement, I am sorry, sir. Tis the way of God's recorder. For thousands of years thus has it been. All that remains are the memories. And we go into a memorial uh, sort of, of flashback here. And we are getting a, a, a recap here, basically, of the first Hercules series. So as we find out, this this takes place 40 years after the first Hercules mini. So this uh, Commander Malin is actually the commander from that series. And we see an image here of Hercules. You know, there's a, you know, Galactus and Hercules in his chariot being held by his horses we have the scene where zeus has gotten all angry at hercules and banishes him we see hercules among the the big-headed regellian dudes and the narration says the memories crash upon his consciousness like a wave his exile from olympus for his transgressions against his father zeus his encounter with the regellian colonizers and how they gave him the recorder to document his adventures he remembers the lesson of humility the true purpose of his exile and most of all he remembers his friend Commander Amide Allen. So, yeah, so basically that's what's going on. And we uh, are going to wrap up the uh, prologue. Here's a long prologue here. It's on eight pages. He remembers when he arrived 41 years ago in the Omicron system. Commander Mellon was at that time leader of Star Station Raga, a military defense outpost. Twice during the commander's tour of duty, Hercules had saved the system from destruction. It was on the field of battle that their friendship was forged, and it, it you know, get a flashback here of Hercules wearing his uh, old costume. The Olympian settled for a time on Seagram 7, the distiller's planet he had defended. There he had enjoyed the rewards of being their savior, and remember the little uh, hermit crab dudes that uh, Hercules had saved? You see them, and he's sitting in a chair drinking and enjoying that. But he soon grew weary of the peaceful life and longed for an adventure once again. Hercules first contacted the Regellians, who earlier had reclaimed Recorder, without whom he could not navigate the stars. After some cajoling, he persuaded the Regellian subcommissioner to put the robot in his charge once more. A short time later, Hercules joined the Omicron Star Cavalry to fight side by side with the commander. Many violent triumphs followed, and a few gentler ones as well. And it has uh, the Recorder and Hercules fighting uh, you know, with uh, the commander, and they're shooting... Uh, pew pew star wars blasters and then we have uh, a double date looking thing here with hercules and the commander and a couple uh well one looks like a stewardess and she's wearing like a stewardess outfit and then there's the, another one who looks like a, a nun of some description <laughs> anyway <laughs> but time which ignores the gods takes a heavy toll on man so is it that today that all the hercules has left of his friendship with commander Malin is the memory and uh, Hercules and the Recorder are walking off. Come, Recorder, it is time for us to move on. And then we get the actual beginning of the story here. Stan Lee presents My Love is Green. Bob Layton was the writer. Artist Rick Parker was the letterer. So I guess uh, Layton is doing all his things. Christy Scheel is the colorist. Bob Budiansky was the editor, and Big Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. Somewhere on the edge of the galaxy of Orion, we have the recorder and Hercules riding in a chariot drawn by two white horses through space. Speculation. I believe you will like it where we are going, sir. Denisieri is a most civilized world. In fact, the Regellians attempted to purchase it at one time. Ha ha ha! Purchase this planet! By the thunder of Zeus, I do believe thou art developing a sense of humor, recorder. Statement. Actually, there was nothing funny about it, sir. Their price was much too high. Sayest what? And they go swooping down through the atmosphere of this lush green-looking planet. And we come to the uh, Denisieri spaceport, which uh, looks like a series of like flying saucer-type things. Um, you know, bolted together some, some sort of building. It's kind of cool looking. And they land on the planet. And we say, later. And <laughs> there's a, somebody being carried off in a stretcher with a uh, cast on their arm. In fairness, I did swore the techno. Mind steeds possess great power and take not kindly to being handled by mortals. And the guy's like, there's laws against transporting dangerous animals, Blavlack. I'm going to sue. Do you hear me? I'm going to sue. And uh, Hercules is thinking to himself, "Twould seem I'm getting off to a great start with the inhabitants here. And a voice comes from behind. 
excuse me, are you the owner of these four-legged creatures? And it turns out to be the lady in the pantsuit from the cover. Cute blonde girl, very 80s looking hair, green vest, green pants. She's dressed in green because she's a green lady, I guess. Officer Tyne Printess, I'm with the Nassieri Customs. I'd like to ask you a few questions, if I may. Thou mayest proceed. Are you aware that all cybernetic bipeds entering Denisieri must undergo routine detection scans? Uh, no. Why? Smugglers, that sort of thing. Statement. Oh, yes. I once heard of a case where there were three accrues actually. Recorder! Shut thyself up! And uh, the uh, woman goes up to the horses and she says, I'm very curious about these magnificent animals. What are they called? And he's like, nay, do not touch them. They'll tear thee to bits. And the horses actually like her and they're letting her, letting her pat them on the nose, that kind of thing. And she's like, hi, fellas. Can you really fly? You're so beautiful. By Zeus's beard, I cannot believe mine eyes. Speculation. She must be an empath, sir. It is well known that the authorities use such beings in sensitive security posts. They sense emotions, that sort of thing, like human lie detectors. He's correct, handsome. You're okay. Lacking in verbal skills a bit, but okay. That's why I'm going to let you go. But I'm going to have to keep your friend overnight. Just leave me an address and I'll bring him to you when we're through. That would pleasure me greatly, Officer Printess. Oh, the pleasure will be all mine. And then we shift scenes, and Hercules is going through the spaceport, and he arrives at a building which is labeled in English, the Hotel Nebulon East. And he, Hercules is there, but he has a, uh, like a little gym bag or something with him. And then we see in front of there's different aliens and droids. There's a, uh, a floating car, which actually has an English sign on the door that says Taxi. And a little droid has come up to Hercules. Check your bag, sir. Click. Check your bag, sir. Click. Buzzeth off, says Hercules. And he goes into the registration desk, and we have a purple and green robot that is not C-3PO. Not in any way. Not even close, sort of. Anyway, yeah, so it's C-3PO, but it's a slightly different version of C-3PO. I hope the accommodations meet with your approval, Mr. Hercules. Tool suffice, I'm sir. But his reply is cut short by a sight that leaves the son of Zeus stunned. As before him, surrounded by admirers, is the most beautiful woman he has ever seen. And there's a uh, woman, and she looks like Jean Grey, so she's kind of tall and red-headed and, and beautiful. She's got uh, thigh boots, uh, very uh, sort of 1970s Dave Cockrum-type thigh boots. And her sleeves and her uh, leggings are fishnet stocking sort of stuff. And she's wearing like a one-piece bathing suit. So she's wearing kind of skimpy, kind of fishnetty outfit. And she's got some kind of weird comb thing in her hair. And Hercules thinks to himself, By the gods, I must not deprive her of the presence of the Lion of Olympus. And she's being hit on by this guy. He's like, How's about it, babe? I can make you a star if you stick with me. No, no thank you, Mr. Capallo. Pardon me, lovely one. The fates have smiled upon thee this day, for Hercules finds thee fair indeed. And, and she's like, oh, very, very coldly. And then the guy, guy was hitting on her, thinking to himself, obviously a mega steroid overdose. Pardon me if I don't stick around long enough to find out if I care. And she goes swanning off. But, but... I don't. And the, the, there's like a bellboy doorman type of guy here wearing a weird hat. And he's like, better man than you have tried, buddy. Join the crowd. And we then shift scenes to half a universe away. And we are at the Olympus a mountain, Mount Olympus, the majestic home of the Olympian gods, the home from which Hercules was banished so long ago. It is a day much like any other in Olympus. The sounds of celebration and revelry echo through the steaming towers and marble hallways as they have for centuries. Long has it been since the gods have interfered in the affairs of man, now content in pursuing their own pleasures instead. The court of Zeus, 
father of the gods. And we have uh, a bunch of beautiful women and dancing girls kind of doing the streaming dance. And we have uh, Dionysus, who's leaning up against uh, a pillar. And we've got Hephaestus. And we know that because of the, the dialogue that we're going to hear in a second. And Zeus is kind of reclining on a barca lounger type of thing. And <laughs> yeah, basically they're, they're sitting around being, being bored. More ambrosia, Lord Zeus, says one of the servant girls. Nay, lass, away with thee. Hephaestus, my friend, observe the reflecting pool. As thou wishest, Dionysus. Behold the planet Earth. Much hath changed since we last gazed upon her. And uh, so they, they look in there and we see the super futuristic world. And you uh, see... Um, you know, spaceships flying around and everything is really futuristic and flying cars and all that kind of thing. These mortals now build cities that do rival Olympus itself. Aye, they have evolved far from the simple shepherds who once worshipped us. Observe, they have learned the secret of will to manipulate objects by the power of thought alone. Astonishing! I Nay, says a voice. And we see a, a, a staff of a, of a weapon of some kind splashing in the water. And it's like, splash. And uh, we see that it's Ares. And he's all angry about, uh, I guess, the progress on Earth. Enough! I can stomach thy blathering adulation of these mortals no longer. Calm thyself, Ares, says Hephaestus. Calm I! Let the god of war become as ye all are, fat and complacent. Very, that would please thee, dear brother, he says to Dionysus. Hear it know that one amongst us hath not forgotten that he is an immortal Ares, god of war. And what of thee, dear father, says Ares, tis thy doing that thy upstart mortals were allowed to grow until they have the gift of will. We are no longer different from them. We should have never relinquished our dominion over them. Still thy tongue, I warn the Ares, says Zeus. I will not. No longer will I countenance our race's decay. Thou hast done thy loutish child Hercules a great service by banishing him. At least thou dost not have to watch the mighty gods of Olympus become his old women. And Zeus is not happy about this at all. And uh, says, all are silent. The rage-filled gaze of Zeus freezes his son where he stands. A fear envelops Zeres, being such as none the god of war has ever known. It is the last sensation he will ever feel. And Zeus, except the giant face of Zeus here, big fiery mustache and, and eyes, is like, Blasphemer! And basically Ares gets dissolved. Poor Ares, can he ever win? I seem to recall that Ares got ripped in half, uh, you know, just a, a few years ago. Anyway, so I guess this is uh, after that and after his Dark Avengers gig. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so at some point he comes back. By all the tolly, he, he, oh my, he killed him. Let all assembled here, Zeus. I am the power now and evermore. From dust ye were created, and to dust ye shall return. And it's unclear what happens at this point, whether Zeus destroyed everybody or if he just destroyed Ares. I, I think he just destroyed Ares. But um, anyway, it says here, the great hall is silent, save for the sound of the high father's sandaled feet treading softly upon the marble floor. So, yeah, but at least Ares got turned into dust and, and he's dead. Back on Denisieri, we have Hercules, and he's sitting in his hotel room, and he, he's sitting on the bed, kind of wondering what about this girl he saw. "'Twould seem the sleep eludes the Lion of Olympus this night. Mine thoughts are filled with the image of her. There must be a way I can convince the maiden to—' And then the door goes, He's like, "'What? The door!' And it turns out that it is the recorder and uh, Officer Printess.' And the recorder says, Declaration, greetings, Lord. Officer Printess was kind enough to escort me to your quarters. Well, actually, I was hoping that perhaps we could get better acquainted, Hercules. Oh, I see. Statement, Officer Printess and I have been engaging in a fascinating interface, sir. I have collected some most enthralling data from her about this planet. 
Maybe I could teach you a thing or two as well. But Tyne's invitations falls on deaf ears as lost in thought the Olympian merely stares out the window. Suddenly, a figure on the street below catches his attention. Hey, are you listening to... By Zeus's beard, I do not believe mine eyes. Tis her, the one in the lobby. And yeah, so she, he sees the, uh, the fishnets girl again, and there's a couple like big alien dudes, and it looks like some of the aliens we saw in the last Hercules mini. And so he goes running off, and she's like, wait, where are you running off to? To attend to an affair of the heart, says Hercules. And she's like, oh, I see. And we cut to Hercules down in the lobby, and he is chasing after her. Wait, milady, the prince of power would speak with thee. What? You again, says the gorgeous gal. Nay, do not flee. I only wish to declare my love for thee. And she runs away with Hercules in hot pursuit. So we see the uh, girl ducks behind a, a corner, and Hercules comes around the corner, and uh, she doesn't seem to be there. But there is this sort of hobo-looking wino dude sitting there, and he's like, Please, my lady, I mean thee no harm. I, I, and uh, it turns out it's a dead end. And the hobo dude is like, Hey, Bow, Avlak, you got maybe a credit for a bottle of engine cleaner? And didn't get any replies. Hercules ignores that. He goes walking off and he uh, leaves. And a moment later, the beautiful girl just walks out from behind the uh, the wall. So she's coming out of the alleyway. He says, boy, some guys just won't take no for an answer. Minutes later in the lobby of the hotel, uh, Hercules catches up with the, uh, you know, the officer Printess and the recorder. Officer Printess, I would like to explain my... Save it. One doesn't need to be an empath to sense an emotional void, Jercules. Good night. And she goes stalking out. And uh, he says, Methinks I could annoy this entire planet without trying, recorder. Statement. The odds are 89.03% in your favor, sir. And we then shift scenes to the next day. And Hercules and the recorder are on the street. Lots of people on the street. And uh, Hercules says, Know thee this, recorder. I have decided to put this entire affair out of my mind. That woman was becoming an obsession with me, but no more. Statement, excellent, sir. A very rational decision. Interrogative, may I ask where we are going? I, to the spaceport. There I do hope to make amends with Tyne Printress. After all, many beautiful women abide on this planet. The Prince of Power should just not concern himself over just one, eh? Observation, absolutely correct, sir. Then you will not mind me pointing out that billboard to you. I believe she is the woman that you just gave up pursuing. And we have a big poster for a fashion show at the Hotel Nebulon. And, and they gave us a, a date and video bills, it says on here. And so uh, <laughs> uh, the recorder says, interrogative, sir, where are you running to? Come back. And obviously Hercules has run off to the fashion show. And we shift to the fashion show in the Nebulon Hotel where it says buyers and critics from all over the galaxy flock to this annual Denisieri fashion show where the top fashion models from every star system model everything to adamantium reinforced lingerie to spray on the swimwear. And um, there's a bunch of aliens around. Very Star Wars-y and sort of aliens. Looks like uh, we've got... Uh, yeah, I definitely. It looks like Professor X here. <laughs> um, yeah, the guy looks just like Professor X. Guy looks like Walrus Man from the Star Wars action figures. Yeah, it's basically just a crowd. And we have an announcer here. Now we have Shasha wearing the latest in adhesive bathing gear designed by... And Hercules is barreling through the crowd. He says, hold me! Now see here, you can't have all the nerve. The Prince of Power would have his say with thee, lady, And Hercules jumps up on the stage where she is, and she's like, Go away, you'll ruin everything. Thou shalt hear me out this time. Never in all my long lifetime have I seen a fairer maiden than thee. In the midst of all these assembled, Hercules wishes to espouse his love for... Interrogative, may I interrupt, sir? Observation. Body temperature is 104 degrees. 
Pulse rate 6.05 times normal. Abnormal energy flux readings. Recorder, what art thou trying to say? Statement, clearly that woman who, to whom you are about to propose is a scrawl. And Hercules gets all mad and he reaches out and grabs her by the throat and he starts shaking her. He's like, reveal thyself, scrawl, or by Zeus I shall make thee pay dearly. And so she changes and she is indeed a scrawl, but not a normal looking scrawl, just kind of a really scraggly, like old man looking scrawl, dirty dirty gray and green sort of skin. He, does, he doesn't look like the healthy scrawl that we saw last time. He's like like this ne'er-do-well scrawl. Okay, okay, steroid breath, just don't hurt me. The exquisite form of womanhood dissolves into that of a small, wizened scrawl, a revelation that quickly turns the onlooker's mood to anger. And we have all these people who are in the, in the audience and they are not happy. What the? It is a scroll. Stinking shape changing. You'll pay for this greedy. Now no one will buy my swimsuit thanks to you. Please, please. I meant no harm. I just wanted to be left alone. You've got to understand. I'm an outlaw even to the scroll empire. Please let me explain. And we get a little bit of the backstory of the scroll. You see, the scrolls are a warlike and ruthless race bred solely for combat. Those of us born physically unsuitable, like myself, are given the most undesirable of duties. For 200 years, I labored as a maintenance worker. I've never harmed so much as an insect. But where I come from and you get old, you are no longer considered useful. They round you up and march you into one of their termination centers. Not a great retirement plan, eh? I opted for stealing a shuttle and jumping planet. But the Skrull Empire does not look favorably upon dissenters. So it occurred to me that the best place to hide was in plain sight. People seem to have an attitude about scrawls, even friendly ones, you know. So that's when I became Shasha, the fashion model. The money's quite good, I might say. Now, maybe you realize why I kept avoiding you. I'm sorry if I've embarrassed you, Hercules. Aye, that thou hast, but thy tail hath moved the Lion of Olympus. Thou art forgiven, scrawl. Statement, that is very kind of you, sir, but I think the crowd has an entirely different feeling. And they're all throwing bottles and stuff at, at the scrawl. And it's it's notable, the scrawl is still dressed in like that sexy bathing suit that, that he was wearing as Shasha, except it's now on this like like creepy looking pot-bellied old scrawl. So it looks ridiculous. Come on, let's all get them all. And the designer's like, don't ruin the ensemble, please. Interrogative, sir, what do we do now? I do not wish to injure anyone. Methinks when all else fails, run! And the three of them go running off. So the scrawl and the recorder go off first, and then Hercules is, is keeping the others from chasing them. And he says, get thee to safety. Hercules shall delay their pursuit. You're not going to stop us, scrawl lover. I do believe that thou art sorely mistaken. And he lifts up the runway and he does a sort of, uh, you know, kind of whiplash thing and sends people on it flying. And the mob starts to scatter because, you know, Hercules is wrecking the joint up. Seconds later, backstage, Hercules comes back and they are uh, trapped down, down the corridor. Statement, sir, the exit door seems to be locked from the outside. Then stand the aside, and the line of Olympus shall gain the entry. And there's a um, door here in the end, and there's a star on it. And they're like, no, wait, that's not the exit door. And Hercules comes crashing through the door with a key rash. And, of course, it turns out to be the dressing room. And so we have a bunch of models in there, and uh, they're all, like, half-dressed, and they're, like, pulling towels over themselves. And they're like, eee, get out of here, how dare you? Hercules bids thee good evening, ladies. And the scrawl's like, boy, now you've done it. I've done it? Why, thou ungrateful old coo, you would have me fight women as well. I, statement, my sensors depict a crowd approaching in the corridor, sir. Statement, I am too well maintained to die. And the scrawl uh, goes to Hercules and he's like, I'll make you a deal, Herky. You get me out of this planet and I'll get us out of this mess. 
Thou hast not exactly endeared thyself to me, but tis a bargain, scroll. And so we shift outside the dressing room, and there's a big crowd. They come down, they're all, well, not really spears and pitchforks, but, you know, it's, it's, they've got, like, weapons and stuff. They're right inside that door, man. They can't escape now. And as they're trying to go through, this big, huge, tentacly, evil-looking monster rises up with a shrow. And the uh, people are approaching see it, and they're like, on second thought, let's forget about the whole thing. And they go running away. And, of course, it was the, the scrawl. And he said, told you I'd scare their moogies off. Well done. Uh, what is thy name, friend? I'm called Skippy. Oh, sorry I asked. So Skippy the scrawl. Later that evening, the trio discreetly makes their way to the spaceport hangar, only to find Tyne Princess. Her fascination for Hercules' horses undiminished. And so we see Tyne, and she is there uh, petting the horses, who seem very happy to let her pet them. Statement, so much for the clandestine approach. And Hercules is, Officer Princess, I would speak with thee. And Hercules explains what's going on, and she's like, Let me get this straight. You want me to help you leave the planet without official clearance with an illegal alien while there is an arrest warrant for disorderly contact out for you, right? Uh, sort of. You must be totally insane. I pray thee, listen. I know that I have been unfair to thee, Tyne, but thou hast the power to see into the hearts of men. Thou knowest that we mean no harm to any soul. Yes, I know. Well, okay, you can go, but you've got to promise to come back some day. Ho, ho, done. Let us seal the bargain with a kiss. And he picks her up, literally, and they do a big old smooch. And <laughs> the recorder says, interrogative, he seems to do that quite well, does he not? To tell you the truth, Tin Britches, I wouldn't know, says the scroll. And we go back to uh, Olympus, where we have Zeus and he's sitting in his throne room, and we have the appearance of Lord Pluto. And Pluto arrives, he says, Pluto, Lord of the Underworld, bids thee greetings, brother. Tis the appointed time. Thou hast sense it, hast thou not? Aye, brother, my rule shall soon come to an end. But before that time comes to pass, the gods of Olympus shall die. Next issue, beware of Red Wolf. If you're a Skrull, you're dead. And that is Hercules, Prince of Power, number one. All right, so, uh, you know, it's always funny when you read off of the, uh, the original issues here. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm reading from the original issues is to actually look at the ads. So uh, we're going to do that. And, of course, uh, what I think of the issue after this message. It's time for some thrilling heroics, a brand new podcast on 2TrueFreaks.com. Keep flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible, cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western, and that makes us mighty. We found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job, they said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side. Not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on TutuFreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. And we're back. And of course, you should go listen to the Firefly podcast. You know, they're, I think they just are wrapping up the show. So it's a good time to go back, listen to all of their episodes. If you like Firefly, and who doesn't, you should go listen to them. 
Anyway, so uh, we're back, and uh, before we get started uh, on the ads, because I, I always do like that, going to just talk about the issue rather briefly. I think you remember last time we had the uh, the first Hercules mini, and I, I complained a little bit about aspects of the art and how over the time the, the artwork kind of got worse as we went along. There's a little bit of wonkiness in this series even, even now, but I would say by and large the artwork in this series is really good. Uh, the uh, the writing is really good, and I and I don't remember if Bob Layton actually wrote the first mini or not. I, he probably did, but I just don't remember. But I would say that uh, you know the artwork in this issue is is every bit as good as the last time. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of stuff that is obviously inspired by Star Wars, and that was one of those things that. That, that bothered me a little bit about the first one. It bothers me a little bit about this one too, but not as much. I mean, you know, the, obviously, I mean, the, the story is not a really derivative of, of Star Wars in, in any sense. Uh, but of course, some of the design elements in the early 80s, I think it was pretty much impossible to to not be influenced by Star Wars when you're doing a sci-fi comic. But I think the art, by and large, is really, really good. The characterization of the recorder, if you compare it to other times we've seen the recorder, most notably, I think most recently on this show, we saw it we're covering the eighth, uh, the eighth day story arc over over in Thor Volume 2. Uh, this recorder obviously has something of a sense of humor, and they're playing the recorder a lot more. He's a lot jokier now than he used to be. I think if you look back at that first Hercules miniseries, they always played the recorder perfectly serious. He was perfectly straight. You know, he, he was Hercules's foil. So in here, he's actually almost cracking jokes. So, so there's definitely a difference a little bit in the characterization of this issue. We have, the, of course, the new version of, of you know, comedy relief. We've got, we've got Skippy the Skrull. And, of course, that's going to continue on as we go through the series. It's a great series. I mean, it, you know, the, the Bob Light and Hercules stuff is legendary. And, of course, I, I'm really going to enjoy covering this mini for you for the next uh, three weeks after this one. All right, so let's have a look at the ads really quick. I mean, we'll, we'll just we'll just briefly go through them. We have ads for uh, a lot of model kits this time around, but we've got the Masters of the Universe. Uh, we've got some model kits based on on the cartoon, the the uh, Talon Fighter and Attack Track, which is a sort of weird tank thing. We have. You won't believe what little Billy Miller saw in the dark. That sounds like clickbait now, doesn't it? <laughs> it's uh, Magic Glow Racers from Revel. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember those lasting more than a few months back in, in the 1980s. We've got a Bubble Yum ad. We've got Zorcom Spaceship, the dynamic new space adventures kids can get really into. And really... It's exactly the same as sort of the submarine kits and that kind of thing that we had back in the 60s. It is a cardboard pop-out sort of little hovel that, that kids can, can go in and, and pretend they're in a spaceship. And it's got space graphics and stuff. And you can see it's just it's just made of cardboard and you can fold it up and put it under your bed. But you get adventure cassettes. You can get a um, adventure cassette. So you have your your uh, sound effects for your your cardboard spaceship. Uh, that's always interesting. Uh, video game ads for Atari Soft. So this is the uh, the PC. Well, not really PC. As uh, for if you have a Commodore VIC twenty or Commodore sixty four, Texas Instruments ninety nine four A, IBM or Apple two, you can play Donkey Kong, Centipede, Pac Man, Defender, Robotron twenty eighty four, Stargate, and Dig Dug. And there's a few others if you're you're playing other other systems as well. We got Grit, of course. Uh, Got to get a grit. Start a business of your own. Sell a crappy newspaper that nobody wants. Uh, we got the comics conventions and uh, creation con. Or that was kind of a, a beginning of the the big conventions. Of course, Marvel Supermart. Uh, you're gonna get the the house ads. No uh, letters page in this issue uh, because the first issue we have bullpen bulletins. Uh, but we're not really going to talk about it. They're advertising the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. And we wrap it up with a holiday subscription offer featuring a really weird ad because it's uh, Black Bolt dressed as Santa Claus and Medusa 
and Lockjaw, who's kind of harnessed up as a reindeer, all drawn by John Byrne. It's a great-looking ad, but why did they pick those characters for the holiday uh, Marvel subscriptions? have no idea. I don't even think they, they, they didn't have their own book. So I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe John Byrne just wanted to draw the Inhumans. Um, and of course, we have at the very end, the Mattel Masters of the Universe He-Man Atari 2600 game, a video game. And I remember that and I remember it being universally awful. And on the back cover, we have a, a Parker Brothers ad for Frogger. All the different versions of Frogger. You could get it for the Intellivision, Atari 2600, TI-994A. That was actually my first computer. Commodore VIC-20, Commodore 64, that was my second computer. Atari Home Computers, Atari 5200, and ColecoVision. And um, it's it's really interesting with the those old video games that which ones were the best. Because it's like all the different versions were different from each other. I always remember the uh, the Commodore 64 versions as being pretty much the most true to the arcades. So maybe that was just uh, you know, my, my biased memory because I was a Commodore 64 user. Anyway, all right. So with that is time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And of course, if you want to uh, contact the show, please feel free to do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. So go over to Facebook and look for us there and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the rainbow. Well, no, not uh, not Rainbow Bridge. No, no. I'm back off to Olympus where I'm risking getting disintegrated by Zeus. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the invincible sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.